Welcome to Call Your Girlfriend, a podcast for long-distance besties everywhere. I'm Ann Friedman. And I'm Aminatu So. Every other week, we'll be bringing you a special phone-a-friend episode between either Ann or me and one of our rad pals. This week, I talked to Ashley Perez from BuzzFeed. She's like this really cool lady who makes videos, and she is really fun and cool. But two, like, really kind of opened my mind to being somebody who is really visible on the internet. And she's like, yeah, I just, I don't even know where to start. She's so awesome. Did she try to talk you into doing any kind of vlogging? Uh, no, because she, like, knows better. But, you know, <laughs> Ashley's really cool. So Ashley's somebody who, act, like you know, like, I've been internet buddies with for a long time. And it wasn't until we started recording that I realized that I had honestly, like, never talked to her on the phone. But I was so familiar with her voice because I watch her on everything. So, like, that also made me, it made me laugh. I was like, oh, this modern friendships. Yeah, that's really why we do phone of friends to be like, oh, this person that I think I talk to a lot who I actually don't talk to very often. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And Ashley is like, you know, a really big promoter of like other women's work and just like being a creative. And her career arc was also really interesting. She actually started working on the editorial side at BuzzFeed. And then now she's like a video star there, you know, and they're doing some like really cool experimentations with like, you know, episodic style stuff. And she's going to be a star and we're both going to be on Oprah's couch together one day, basically. Welcome, Ashley Perez, to Call Your Girlfriend. Oh, yes. Thank you. I forgot we're doing <laughs> Right? I'm just like, hi, I'm calling my friend. Thank you for having me, Amina. This is a great honor. Also, you know, it's really funny when the, like, the first Ashley, I guess, that I added, it said San Diego. And I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, maybe she's from San Diego. I am from San Diego. I had no idea. Yeah, I'm from San Diego, and my name used to have an E in it. So all, um, you know all my secrets. Yeah, it was like there was the E in the name and there was a thing. And I was like, but then I figured I was like, maybe the Y and the E are interchangeable because you're trying to make it hard for people to find you on like Facebook or something. Oh, actually, it was a stage name thing. Like what my mom got me this book that was a Barbara Streisand biography because I'm in love with Barbara Streisand. And I always wondered why she spelled her name the way she did. And there was just this whole little blurb about how she took the second A out of her name because it was like such a common name and she wanted to have a stage name that, that made her feel like she knows who the real Barbara Streisand is, but like Barbara without an A is like her stage presence. And that was right around when I was starting to get a lot of like internet attention and it was starting to freak me out. And I was like, I'm going to take the E out of my name. And I told my friends. And they all, <laughs> that's they were amazing. Like, I love I that. <laughs> they were like, that's stupid. And then I was like, you guys, I'm just going to sit on it for a while. And then when I changed my Twitter, it was really serious because and then I changed all my social media so now there's a whole bunch of people who have no idea why my name is the way it is but now you all know that's amazing well I am so I'm so excited um you know also on the Barbara Streisand tip I was gonna say have you seen our mutual love Jenna Weiss Berman's Barbara's tattoo 
Yes. She showed it to me when Jenna and I started becoming friends. She showed me that tattoo and I was like, I will never leave your side if you ever need me for anything. I listen. The, yeah. The first night that I met her, I saw that and I lost my mind a little bit. And I was like, I must, oh. I must be friends with this woman. God, I, Barbara to me embodies, I I never really understood the idea of making media that made someone feel fully understood. And then I got the Barbara Streisand box set when I was like 17 and I watched Funny Girl and I have never felt so completely understood and it made me want to make things. Barbara is the reason that I am who I am today. That's amazing. (laughs) Well, you know, here's the thing. You make like some of my favorite things, aka video products, and but also like (laughs) the things that I am the most scared of. Like there is not enough money in the world to like make me make a video on YouTube. There's just like not. There's it's like between (laughs) my anxiety and then just like everything I'm just you know it's like I'm just now coming around to FaceTime <laughs> I'm oh like this God. is not a thing that I can do and so for me it's like when I watch you on video like the like the first thing that I always think is like oh my god she's so brave which is such a like dumb lady thing to say you know but at the same time like yeah it's like you're super creative and you're super funny and you're so out there and I'm like this is incredible and it's so far removed from like what I would ever do That's so funny because to me, like, you know, hearing your podcast and listening to it, it it seems like the same thing of like ladies just being out there making things. I started this hashtag ladies making things just because I love any woman who endeavors to make anything. The best. Right. Oh, God, I wanted to catch on so bad. But my favorite thing, it's funny that you say like, oh, that's so brave because a lot of people will refer to me like just in comments or like when they tweet at me, which I see, obviously, they're like, oh, Ashley's so confident. I want to be that confident. And to me, I'm like, what about me registers as confident? But I guess it's just the fact that like, I'm out there. <laughs> you are, you know, but I, you know, in this like very cheesy way, I love that I'm like, just going to be the stand in for like the cheesy mom character is that it's just like very cheesy way. I think that like, even in 2015, there is something so just like a radical about seeing women on screen, you know, and, and just like all types of women. Mm -hmm. You know, like, that's one of my biggest fears. Like, I was never a performer. Like, I think I was in one play in high school and then, like, two plays in elementary school. Like, I was never a performer. Like, I'm not, like, that's so far beyond my personality and, like, what I like to do. When I just see people who are just, like, unabashedly themselves, I'm just like, man, I'm sure you can tell it is blowing my mind. (laughs) I love that. I love also, there's this phenomenon that happens of just, like, when cool ladies talk to each other, it's like the first like 10 minutes just have to be like, you're the best. No, you're, no, the, you're best. the best. You're the best. But like real talk, you are. <laughs> it's also weird. We should note that this is the first time we've ever talked in person. That's not true. I talked to you at the BuzzFeed office. Oh, no, when? you're right. Oh, you, oh my God, nuh-uh. you're right. It was. Uh, I wasn't there. Right. We like completely miss each other. See, this is what I'm saying, but it feels it's one of I those know, things. But we like online talk so much. I felt like I had talked to you before. We got that Taylor connection, some sweet Taylor Swift love. I know. Love. Let's like then, rewind for everyone. Really, yeah. the way that we know each other is because of an <laughs> obsession with Taylor Swift. Like the DMs, like there's always the initial thing when you become internet friends with someone, you're like, what are we going to talk? What gets you to the point of needing to DM someone? And ours was 100% talking about Taylor Swift. Ours like 100% talking about Taylor Swift. And the thing is that like, I'm usually such a weirdo about just like talking to people and stuff that Mm -hmm. I don't know. But yeah, 
like you get me started on Taylor Swift and I'm just like I'll, I'm like I'll be over with a bottle of wine in 10 minutes what's going on it's like when we do our own like fashion show of like the girl <laughs> <laughs> it's like the women Taylor's brought together oh that's so good I had um this was the year I don't really do resolutions but like last year I wrote in my journals like be friends with Taylor Swift which is insane <laughs> but this was the first year I got acknowledged by Taylor Swift I got two faves and it was like mind blowing to me. And it's so funny because I'll fave people's tweets and then they're like, holy crap, you acknowledge my existence. I'm like, yeah, it's not that weird. Like it, it weirds me out when people do it to me. And then Taylor did it to me. And I spent like four days in a daze. It's the thing where oh. like, and I'm sure maybe like people who are your fans like feel like this because I have met like some rabid fans of yours. Is really? that you just like <laughs> concoct this whole story about who you are. And then, you know, like they'll see you at Ralph's and then they're just like, oh, mm-hmm. she's a normal human being. <laughs> Yeah, it's a very weird line when people... The funny thing to me is, like, people think that I don't read my comments or the YouTube comments or anything, but I read almost all of it. And the way people talk about me is funny. It's just like, oh, my God, I had a dream we were best friends and we were just doing these, like, normal best friend things. Or, like, (laughs) I feel like I know you. Like, just really funny comments. But I'm pretty, like, on social media in general, I'm not, like, trying to, like, make my life look really super cool so I do feel like to some degree if you follow me on enough platforms you kind of know who I am like you know about my angsty night tweeting I mean like you know I like yes and no right it's like I think that like yeah. you said this like really incredible just like nexus of like you know I don't know like internet famous people who you're a very normal person but let's be real more people see some of your videos than like some of these like Hollywood movies like real talk you know, nuts. like numbers wise, which is like really nuts, right? Yeah. When you think about it, but also makes me like so insanely happy. Welcome to the fold. Like, yes. Like the way that we are doing entertainment is, is changing. It's just cool that it's like, it's not the, my favorite thing about that is like, I know it's just me and my friends making stuff that we want to see and there's no agenda. So people will be like, it's so cool. Cause like the main characters are like Ashley and Quinta and they're like people of color and like there's queer ladies and this and that. It's like, that's just how we live our lives. And like, of course we would be the main characters of our own thing. It's not like a weird network thing of like, oh, I think diversity is in. We should cast diversity. <laughs> right? Um, yeah, so like I do not know Quinta, but I um, I think she was in San Francisco for some like Google, for like Google yes. I.O. or something, or maybe it was the Apple conference. Apple. Like unclear. Was there, the Apple. there was like some girl that I work with that like saw her at a tech conference and came back like fully dead. And I just... <laughs> And this, like, it was the most beautiful thing in the world, you know, because it's like, oh, yeah, like, all these famous people were there. And for her, she was like, no, this girl from YouTube that I love. (laughs) And she wouldn't wouldn't shut up about it. And then, you know, and it's like for all the, like, other people in the room that didn't watch YouTube, she was just, like, showing all these videos and she was going over it. And I was like, (laughs) this is such a thing. And I love it so much. Well, it really is. And the funny thing is like a lot of those times those worlds tend to be separate. So people who are super into TV aren't necessarily super into YouTube. And so they don't cross very often. Like people who are into YouTube tend to like a bunch of different YouTubers and a bunch of different online media. But it is kind of fun to belong to this pocket of thing that people feel like they they're like super fans. It's like when you find new music in high school, people feel like oh, I know who you are. (laughs) I know, but, like, the scale of it is just, like, really incredible. Well, I guess, like, you know, let's rewind a little. Tell me how you got started, like, making videos online. Oh, yeah. I mean, so I've been at BuzzFeed for almost three years now, and I started just as an editorial fellow, kind of, like, 
so happy to be doing anything. When I graduated, I worked at my dad's dental office and like hated it. And then I was so sick of it that I just moved to South Korea to be an English teacher to have any other what? job. You, you were an English teacher in South yeah, Korea. Like, so many of my friends have done that. And it's, it's like incredible. It's just great because it's like they pay for your housing. They pay for all of your stuff you get to right travel. everybody oh. always comes back like debt free they're yeah. just like yeah they're like i pay they're like my whole life's paid for <laughs> it's freaking crazy but i did that and while i was doing that i had like 3 hours every day where i wasn't doing anything cuz i was done with classes and so i started writing and that's what got me the job at buzzfeed like i started blogging and then i started i found out buzzfeed had a community thing and so when i was done with my time in korea i had like literally a week left And I got a job at BuzzFeed. So I went home to California for a week and then I moved to New York. Yeah, I guess the path from there, I was a writer in New York for like a year. Then they asked me to move back to LA because that's where I'm originally from. And we were kind of starting this office and I was the travel editor at that time. I had started the travel vertical. And when I moved here, they had just started doing video for BuzzFeed when we were all in the same office and they would just need people to like be in shots for a second or two. And mainly because I was loud was the main thing. They're like, oh, you God this. bless the loud ladies. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, you you seem jovial. Like, you want to be in a shot? And so... Like, that girl was, projects. <laughs> exactly. Like, we could use her voice. She doesn't even need a microphone. And um, we did this one weird game show thing that someone dropped out of. And I was one of the people. And then the president of BuzzFeed Motion Pictures, Zay Frank, thought I was funny and like made people make videos with me. So very roundabout. I've been at video for about a year and a half. And um, it was kind of just through like an odd path at BuzzFeed, which is crazy. The second I got here, I was like, I want to make stuff for women about women. And then they, they kind of like graciously let us start our own channel, which was a big bet. And now Violet's like a really big thing. We're on season two of You Do You now, or we're starting to do that. Yeah, that's cool. So what's the um, the premise for You Do You? Oh, yeah. So um, for people who don't know, BuzzFeed has four channels on YouTube, Blue, Red, Yellow, and Violet. And um, Violet is our only like character universe. And that's the that's where you can find all of my stuff. It started really slowly. It took about a year to build enough of these like little relatable videos to kind of have characters to go off of. And then we just thought it would be fun to do a production test of like, can we make a bigger series? So it's a 12 episode, 12 mini episode series that total is like 46 minutes. And by the time we had it, we're like, oh, we should just release this for people to like binge watch. So it's the first thing that BuzzFeed ever sold on iTunes. And we beat the Kardashians for... For five days, which is nuts. Holy crap. Yeah, it was like, that was crazy to me to like have a cultural standpoint of like, whoa, we just made this thing and like can put it on the internet and it can like go exactly to the audience that wants it. Um, but the basic premise is just like, it's based around four girls and we're all friends and we hang out. You do you is kind of that one. The first season is like all of us facing our biggest fears. My character like comes out. Um, kind of in a roundabout way in that. And we're all kind of like facing our biggest fears. Quinta goes to a wedding. We all go to a wedding. It's just a romp. It's like been really fun to do. There are so many classic male comedies that we can just remake because there are no women that get to do that stuff. And BuzzFeed like wants us to. That's like simultaneously amazing and depressing at the same time. <laughs> I know, right? I'm like, maybe that's what my production company will be is just like remaking dude comedies for women. Yeah, right. It's like, it actually is so 
This next one is going to be more like super bad. It's a lot more like outrageous and, and super funny and just bigger. And so I'm really excited. Like we didn't know what the first one was going to be. And then the response was like so stellar that we're like, oh, we can make more of these. And like BuzzFeed, it's, it's a crazy place. They just give a bunch of 20 somethings like full creative control and like ask us what we want to make. And so we just make shit like all the time. Right, like it's crazy what happens when you get like competent people in a room and just trust them. Yeah. And like the things that people assume about my job have been interesting of like, oh, so they told you to make like a women's channel or whatever. I'm like, no, it's not even supposed to be a women's channel. It's just like, this is my perspective on the world. Like, and BuzzFeed like gave me a platform to do it. And it's cool that they recognize that there is a a point where it meets business and it's beneficial for all parties, but really they're just interested in like letting us make content that speaks to us. really loved about the first season is just this like how this like really sweet exploration of like queerness on the show you know and and so many of the women um you know on the channel i guess are women of color and that's something that doesn't get focused on a lot and you know in my experience i find that like a lot of when i encounter a lot of people who are your fans like those are the things that they like you know glom on like really quickly right it's like ashley is filipino and cuban and korean and she's queer and she's <laughs> awesome also just like sad that it's so underrepresented in media so do you sometimes feel like pressure because people just like project so much of their own identity onto you you know like want to talk more honestly about things that are personal yeah it's like it is that classic like I think this happens to female creators more than anyone else where you get put in this position like Lena is like the perfect example of this she makes a show called girls and immediately everyone feels like they need to be represented completely equally by this one female creator who is just trying to get her perspective out there and so for me I mean, there was even a choice we had to make of you do you. And like, I have always been queer, but haven't, I like came out like two years ago to my friends. And then it was a weird thing where it was like, okay, this isn't part of my character, but it's so underrepresented that like, I want it to be. However, I didn't want to do a coming out thing. Like, I think queer people are so sick of seeing themselves being represented as like sad and angsty. Like, there's so much, (laughs) there's so much after that, you know, of like the dating part is really just as awkward and funny. And so, you do you, um, I wrote, or we wrote it with uh, Brittany Ashley. She wrote the whole um, first season. And we talked a lot about the coming out. I was like, I don't want to like come out to everybody and have this big thing. I kind of just want it to be that I have a new crush and everybody kind of accepts it. And like, you know, there's a moment where Quinta and I are talking and I'm like, I have a crush on this girl named Madison. And I'm like worried she likes me back, which is my way of like coming out to her. And she's like, we know. I was like, how do you know what? And then it just moves on to like us talking about the actual date, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, it, it can be a little bit hard to feel the pressure of having to represent people. But I think the biggest thing that we've tried to do with Violet is just be really, it, you know, each character, it's confusing because we have the same like first names and to some degree we're playing ourselves. But to, I would say at this point, it's about 
anywhere between 60 and 70% us. And there's like a good chunk, like 30% is not, has nothing to do with like the real versions of ourselves. Um, but to that degree, we've also just tried to stay true to things that seem honest to us. And so it doesn't feel like an enormous pressure to be like, okay, now I have to talk about being Asian or I have to talk about being black or I have to talk about being queer. It's really just like, what is our lives and, and how does that, you know, there's a multifacetedness to it. So I, I don't think it should be hard to figure out which one of us you really relate to because we're all multifaceted. Oh my you know? God. It's like, please um, now explain it to everyone. <laughs> You're like, this is just a character. It's not me. Yeah, it is not me. I think the cool thing. So there was this really sweet moment that we had at VidCon where I think we kind of realized that we were on the right track where there was these group of girls. There was like four girls and we were all walking around too. And they stopped us to take a picture and there was like a, an Asian girl and a black girl and a white girl. And we were, we, it was like running into versions of ourselves. And um, Eugene was there with us, who's part of the Try Guys and was like, which one of you is the Quinta in the group? And <laughs> Quinta had this moment where we both, I mean, kind of wrongly expected that like it would be this black girl who was like, I'm the Quinta. And it was the Asian girl who was like, oh, I'm for sure the Quinta. And the black girl was like, I'm the Ashley. And it was just so beautiful to see that like, race had nothing to do with them relating to us, which is normally the case of like, I guess I'll be the black girl of this group, you know? Yeah, which I mean, you know, like, which is fair when you think about how people classify themselves in the Sex and the City universe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like or, for a long time, we had to be people that were not our race. So mm-hmm. <laughs> we have a mm-hmm. ton of practice with that. Yeah, and the funny thing is, I've been watching Sex in the City again, and they really are. Me too. Great. Oh God, it's so good. I I can't. I had never watched it before, and so. Oh my God, we're it, in the same boat. I had never seen it before, so we have a couple of episodes, and so I started rewatching it from the beginning. Yes. What season are you on? I am on the last season. Me too. Well, no, I'm on five. I'm one behind you. But it's been really informative. I'm kind of glad I didn't watch it until I was an adult. Oh, I think it's an awful TV show. I like cannot. It's like yeah. I'm judging all of my friends. I'm just like, <laughs> are you guys serious? This is the thing that you would all ditch me to watch. Like, are you kidding me? And yeah, no, it's just like so. It's so crazy. And like my yeah, my number one troll is I tell everyone that Charlotte's my favorite. but the the reason that she's my favorite is that i think that of all of the characters she's the one that went through the most like personal growth and still like stuck to like who she was you know whereas like in the sex in the city universe people are like oh she's the stuck up one she's the blah 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 and i'm like no she's the only real g on this show all these other people are crazy the thing that's weird about sex in the city and like even being able to see media like 10 years out and be like oh this has changed so much is they're complete stereotypes of themselves. They do not change without out of their boundaries. They assign that like who Carrie is, who Miranda is, who Samantha is and Charlotte. And it's like, they are, they don't even really allow the characters to kind of change that much within themselves. I think you're right that I would argue that Charlotte changes the most, but that's the thing that we didn't want to do where it should, we were, when we were making this show of like Violet and figuring it out, it's like, okay, we have to insert some of our real selves in there because both Quinta and Sarah like comics and it's not that only one of them can be into comics and all of us are awkward at some point. It's not like one of us has to be the awkward one, you know? 
Because think about your friends. The reason you're friends is because you all have some shit in common in the middle. And that's the thing that's hard for me about Sex in the City is I keep being like, how the right? fuck like, do they how are they friends? friends? Well, but you know, one thing too about it that is like maybe the most depressing part is thinking that like that show in its time was like really progressive, right? And, oh, yeah. and just like thinking about where the culture was at that point and was like, this was the mm-hmm. best that we could do. It's like we have, you know, like we, yeah. we have the like gift of hindsight and just like more time. <laughs> and I, like, yeah, it's like every year I'm just like, God, I was born too early. I wish I was born like 10 years later. Yeah. Like everything <laughs> was awful. But it's like when I think Whoa, about Sex on, City, I'm just like, yeah, I'm like for that time, you know, like Carrie's our first like anti-heroine. Like she's just like mm-hmm. this really just like kind of mind blowing character for the culture. And it's like we fast forward yeah. 10 years later and I'm like, this is trash. Yeah, it, it is like crazy to think about that. It's funny that you say that, like, you feel like you were born too early. Yeah, peak too, too soon, man. I kind of soon. <laughs> I feel like. We are in this new generation, though, where like right now is the prime of women kind of because we experienced the beginning part where we're like, this doesn't feel quite right either. I felt my whole life a desire to change it and I didn't know how I was going to get there. But I do feel really blessed to just be in this position right now where it's like, oh, because I felt to some degree disenfranchised or not represented in the media, I have somehow ended up in a position where I make media you know, it sucks to be in the middle of the like battle of media, which it really is. The more I'm in it, the more I'm like, God damn it. It is so hard to see myself anywhere. And so I just finally had to fucking play myself. <laughs> but it, I know, it right? is but like, it's like, think about even like five years earlier, you couldn't have done that, you know, mm-hmm. in just this like, no, in a way no. that is like, so yeah, I, it's like, why for me, it's like, I'll watch period dramas or even like Mad Men or whatever. And I feel zero nostalgia towards it. I'm like, literally only white people can go yep. in the time machine. Like, this is just not for us. Yeah. I would only want to travel into the future. Like every year. I'm just like, ah, <laughs> I'm like, can't believe I was born in 1985. I wish I was born in 2005. Like, it's just, it's like every day it gets better. And... I think about the fact that there are just a bunch of like queer teens on Tumblr who just are on Tumblr and queer and awesome and cool. And like all the angst that I went through in my childhood of just being like, oh, no, no. Right? Like, I think about that I don't all the time. I'm just this. like, man, if I had had the Internet growing up, like the sky's the limit. I don't even know. I don't yeah. even you know. It's like I see all these babies like discussing their sexualities on Tumblr and they're so open and they're so earnest. And I'm like, God, you don't even know how blessed you are. Yeah, God, the fact that Rookie exists. I listened to the Tavi interview a couple weeks ago and I realized I'd never gotten a Rookie yearbook. And I fucking got it. And I, as a 26 year old woman, was like, oh my, thank God for this. Like, what is this? That's how I feel. I'm like, I'm 30 and I get more out of the rookie yearbook every year than like anything else in my life. You know, like it's crazy. It's so wide and wise and not jaded. There's just like, everybody I think is genuinely trying to be like a better version of themselves, or at least most of the women that I encounter and surround myself with are just trying to be better. This is probably the Oprah effect of all of our moms watching Oprah try to be better. Seriously. To which point I have watched those Oprah commercials and just like, am so inspired. And I'm like, yeah, I want, I want 2016 to be my best body too. Oprah. Yeah, right? like, <laughs> I'm just like watching this and I'm like, I have no respect for Weight Watchers. And then I like sobbed and then Googled it. I was like, Oprah, like there's nothing yeah. Oprah won't make me join. Like nothing. My actual life dream people ask me like, what do you want from your career or whatever? That like classic, like Beyonce pretty hurts. Like, 
what's your aspiration in life? And I'm like, Oh, Oprah interview for yeah, me. 100%. Exactly. That's like the number one thing on my bucket list. It's like when she canceled her show, I was like, how will she interview me? That I'm is, not there in my career yet. I exactly. I'm just, I want to get to the point in that whatever I'm doing, Oprah feels the need to be like, let's get like, Ashley here. To my everything I do, I do me. for Oprah. I'm just like, I'm going to make her proud. I went to her crazy show during the summer. It was like going to church. It was so, it, like, honestly, like, yeah, it's like, I, like, I went to, it's like my family is Muslim. I grew up Muslim, but I went to a Christian boarding school oh, and wow. then, like, dabbled in going to, like, big churches afterwards. And honestly, this thing was like being at a Christian conference, except <laughs> Oprah Winfrey, and it was in insane oh my god i would like it it's oh i can't i can't even get into oprah and it it, there's one of these things i've been going through this phase of like the whole kill your idols thing where i do feel like my my admiration for people is changing it's not just idolizing people but more like thinking about their choices in their career and that kind of thing which feels good However, Oprah is 100% exempt from that. Like, Are you kidding? 100. I mean, I feel the same way. I have very few heroes and idols, mm-hmm. but like Oprah is, Oprah is like untouchable in the yep. universe for me. Reading the Shonda book and her talking about how she remembers nothing from her Oprah interview just made me feel better. I was like, oh, thank God. Oh even Shonda, God. like, can't yeah, remember. Even Shonda is in awe of Oprah. <laughs> I mean, can, can you imagine? I'm just like, I'm like, I was in the same amphitheater as that woman and I thought I was going to combust. So oh if I'm ever blessed enough to be interviewed by Oprah Winfrey, which is like everything I do is for that, like I will probably die promptly the next day. You will get there. I, I firmly believe that. And I don't say that to everyone about Oprah, but there are people in my life who I feel like Oprah will know about you. One time I was drunk and one of my friends was Oh my God, that's the highest compliment. Right? Oh, she will know about you. But one time someone was like, Oprah doesn't care about you as a joke. And I started crying. <gasps> and I was like, Oprah cares about me. Oprah cares about me. She just doesn't know me yet. It took like two weeks for my friend and I to get, to get back to the point where we were okay. Because I was like, why would you say that to yeah, me? That's a very hurtful thing. Why would you say that? I was like, I know Oprah doesn't know who I am, but objectively, Oprah does things for people like me because she cares about the world. So shut up. Oprah cares so much because, listen, her career is, like, legendary as fuck. Like, you know, it's like she retired from her big show. She's doing more things. Like, she's not going away. She's, like, still here. Thank God. Sometimes I think about how happy I am to be alive in the age of Beyonce and Oprah. Like, truly, I'm like, thank you, Jesus, for letting me see this. <laughs> like, it's the small mercies. <laughs> when I was in the 13th row of the Beyonce oh Jay-Z God. concert, I was like, wow, my life is so good right oh now. <laughs> I went to see Beyonce on the Mrs. Carter tour, like, VIP. Oh. And this is the first time this has ever happened in my life. I burst into tears when she started and I surprise myself because like I like listen I have like four good cries a year like I'm just like not that kind of person I'm not like a super fan of anything I just like Beyonce opened her mouth and then like tears just like flew out of my face and I was like this is how they get you what a great time the fact that we're just skyping like chatting Hi, internet. I forget the internet is listening. The internet is listening. So many people listen to this because, like, people love to eavesdrop on people's conversations. So, hello, internet. (laughs) What would you say to the internet right now? What's the one thing that you needed to hear in this last, like, month? Oh, man. That is so Oprah profound. It just, like, I know. It's like taking me a minute. You know, like, I just needed somebody to tell me that, like, things are really hard. Not everybody has a super charmed life. 
but like with <laughs> enough time like shit just gets better that's like very it's like very cheesy but it's actually true that's a great thing to learn what if i what have i learned in the last month i think the thing i've learned is i'm starting to respect myself more of just mm. like hey people shouldn't, I shouldn't allow people to treat me poorly. Like, and it's not that people are being outwardly shitty, but I think the older you get, the more you just learn that like, Hey, you're pretty cool. You're like worthy of being treated nicely. And like, you deserve that. And that's something that is hard for women to learn that you don't deserve to like be walked on. Oh man. That's like, that's like very, that's like good. Yeah, it's been crazy. Learning to like yourself. I love, um, do you read Nair Wahid, the poet? Yes. Oh my God, she's so good. And I found her, I was at a women in film event and Ava DuVernay was giving this speech and then she like quoted this Nair Wahid poem where it's like, I love myself, the quietest, simplest, most powerful revolution ever. That's awesome. It, young girls, whoever's listening to this, internet people... Just like love yourself. What a crazy idea. If you love yourself, then literally who could stop you? Look at you. We are so going to be on Oprah soon. Like we're we, just like laying no the foundation. I hope we come up into into the Oprah time at the same time. You know? I mean, I listen, if I'm ever with an earshot of Oprah, I will tell her we're a two for one deal. <laughs> so you're watching Six in the City. What else are you watching on TV that you love? Game of Thrones and Jane the Virgin are the only things that I watch weekly anymore. Like, I don't watch anything else on a weekly basis. I binge everything. I watch uh, Law & Order SVU on a weekly basis. Like, I'm like, Ooh. rain, shine, snow. Like, <laughs> I'm like, Wednesdays, like, you cannot fuck with me. That's my dad and Survivor for as long as my I remember my dad being alive and Survivor being alive. It's like, on Thursday nights, you are literally not allowed to talk that's to him. so funny. He doesn't say anything to yeah, you. Yeah, no, that's like <laughs> me and the whole, like, Dick Wolf universe. I'm like, I'm sorry. It's Wednesday night. I don't have time. Like, I'm like, I gotta go home. So... <laughs> I like yeah it's like I don't know but but then there's like you know there's like things like being blessed with like a cable and a DVR so I don't have cable in my life which is the main I have cable for the first time in my life in a long time and you know the thing about it that's crazy is that it's like even when I'm watching Law and Order I'll start it like 15 minutes late so I can just like fast forward through all the ads oh that's so smart that's so yeah it gives me so much anxiety I'm like I have ad blockers on my computer I hate television ads if I could find a way to like mute radio ads I would like I just (laughs) don't I mean that's why I podcast it's like okay I podcast and I Spotify premium and I have Hulu plus like I don't like ads either I think it ruins the experience that's honestly why we released the our series the way we did too. I was like, I like binge watching shit. Like, can we release it in a way that people can just binge it, like pay the money and then buy it and watch it like on your, I know. But like, do you feel sometimes though that like as a creator that people like, I love binging things. I wish that like all TV was released as like, you know, they're like, here's 10 seasons of the fall. (laughs) God bless. Like take all my money. I will pay for it. But like, do you find, cause I was last year, I remember at Sundance, I was at this panel um, where Genji Cohen, who is so rad, who's the creator of uh, Orange is the New Black, and the was talking week, about like yeah. her frustration on the binge watch watchers mm-hmm. <laughs> and how, you know, like it's just like basically creates a bad habit and people don't engage with the material at the same time. Yeah. And there's not, you know, like that continuity. I, and I was like, I hadn't thought about that because I enjoy watching all of this at the same time. Yeah, I understand that as a creator. And I think specifically for people who are born pre-digital, like that is must be a hard thing to reconcile. But like now I make content for the binge and for 
for both ways. So we released you to you. It's still coming out on YouTube so you can watch it for free. And we released it all at once in one chunk. So it's kind of like you are allowed to watch it the way you want. Um, I am starting to test more. I am really fascinated about the tune in effect in a digital era. So I am, we're actively thinking about ways to test that more and see if that's even possible because it is fun to engage in something and be like, Oh wait, did everybody, you know, I feel like the last cultural remnants of that is like the bachelor and yeah, um, I mean, but that's also how like, like all, of, all of Black Twitter engages, right? Like somebody will mm-hmm. be like, "Love and Basketball" is on, and literally, like we all get a text message, and we're like, "Bye." <laughs> like, <laughs> that is it's like so across good. the land, like tests are dropped, and we just like all go home. But I find Wait, that like that's the thing that like a lot of minorities do, at least you know, and maybe mm-hmm. maybe it's like specific to Black Twitter, but I feel that like we watch a lot of things together because because of social media it's like even award yeah. shows that i would usually never watch like i watch them because i like the communal effect of them yeah oh my god that's when i bust my tweet deck out yeah i think as a creator it's like a difficult problem but i don't see it as you know i, I just want people to watch these things and i don't really care how they get it as long as the story is interesting it, it creates a slight problem when you're trying to figure out for multiple platforms like how do we make it engaging on YouTube and as a whole chunk because they do function kind of differently. But I think in general, like the nice thing is when people want content, it's just, I'm just happy that people want to see more of it. So I try and listen to those things, but like in general, I like to binge content. So I kind of have like made a choice to like make most of our stuff in that way. Bingeable. God bless. Um, Ashley, yeah. <laughs> I could talk to you forever and ever and ever and ever <laughs> and ever. And I'm so sad. But I'm going to ask you one last very super earnest question. Here we go. If you could go back to like teenager Ashley and tell her about Mm. Ashley today, what would you say? Oh, God. Okay, this is great. Let me open my earnest heart. What would I say to teenager Ashley? What was I most afraid of? Oh, you know what it is? I used to be so afraid that my life would be really small and that I wouldn't have any experiences. I would actively cry like at the dinner table with my dad, who both my parents are immigrants and they had this big life full of stories. And I just didn't feel like my life was going to be big at all. And I think I would tell young Ashley that there are moments in your life that you can't even imagine that are coming and you don't want to know how they come either. And I hope I, I go, I'm telling current Ashley that too, of like, I can't even imagine what my life's going to be. And it's really cool that, you know, if, if you are kind of earnest and you, and you actively want these things, the universe has this way of conspiring in your favor, which is from the alchemist, but I yeah. Trust. Um, <laughs> it's like people make fun of the alchemist a lot, but I'm like, actually my dad gave me this to read in the seventh grade and it's like forever will be one of my books. Yeah. It's one of Malala's favorite books. And like if Malala's, it's her if it's good enough time, for Malala, it's good enough for me. She has a Nobel Peace Prize, so I ain't trying to fuck around. Oh my God. <laughs> Ashley, I can't wait to run into you backstage at the Harpo Studios. Oh, yes. Um, you know, and Oprah say like, do you guys know each other? And, it's like, and we just like <laughs> wink at each other. Can't wait. Gonna Can't wait. Thank you so much for having me. Say hi to Anne and the whole Call Your Girlfriend team. This was awesome. You're, and hopefully we'll see each other soon. Yes, you are the best. Thank you so much. See you on the internet. See you on the internet. <laughs> Bye. Oh, you can find us so many places on the internet, like almost 1 million, on our website, callyourgirlfriend.com. 
You can download this podcast anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts or um, on iTunes, where we would love it if you left us a review. You can tweet at us at callyrgf or email us at callyrgf at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, look up the link, or on Instagram at callyrgf. You might be noticing a pattern. Um, You can even leave us a short and sweet voicemail. That's at 714-681-2943. Again, 714-681-CYGF. This podcast is produced by Gina Delbach.